continue to wrap up Proverbs together. As we take a look at it tonight, I'm probably on twice. There we go. Proverbs 14 says, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but by the lips of the wise he will be preserved. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. For fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright shall flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Even in laughter the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. And a man of evil devices is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil bow down before the good, the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. And whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Do they not go astray who devise evil? Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk ends only in poverty. On the crown of the wise is their wealth, but the folly of fools brings folly. A truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. In a multitude of people is the glory of a king, but without people a prince is ruined. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. The wicked is overthrown through his evil doing, but the righteous finds refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. A servant who deals wisely has the king's favor, but his wrath falls on the one who acts shamefully. Let's pray. 
God, we lift this time to you, Lord. We pray that you would guide us as we study your word, God. As we open your word, we pray, Lord, that we might be led by your spirit. God, that you would open our eyes to the truths of your word. Father, that we might uh, come away with understanding. We give you praise for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, once again, as we dive into the book of Proverbs, we want to remember, the book of Proverbs is all about reading street signs. What road are you on? Two paths. Jesus talked about them, right? The way of life and the way of destruction. Wide or broad is the way of destruction. It's easy to find. Narrow is the way (laughs) that leads to life. It's a little harder to find. When we look at the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is all about having wisdom to see where's the road of life. What's it look like? How do we respond to everyday life? How, what, what, what road? When I look at the actions that I have during the day, it will tell me, am I walking on a path of destruction? Again, I'm not focused, neither is Proverbs focused on the concept of salvation and eternal life it's all about what road are you walking eternal life salvation is found at the end of it but all throughout our lives we can find ourselves bouncing back and forth from one road to the other all we have to do is make bad choices for example if i lie what road am i on that's the path of destruction yeah we probably don't want to have a show of hands how many people lied this week but if we did We turned off of the path where Jesus says, come and follow me. Because Jesus is the way, the, what's the next word? Truth. The truth and lie exist at the same time in the same place. Can't. The law of contradiction can't happen. Truth and a lie can't exist. So, we want to pay attention. What road am I on? What road am I walking? If we listen to Proverbs, if we look at what Proverbs has to say to us, we can recognize some of those things, and hopefully we'll be able to see what, uh, what Solomon has put together for us. So the first one we'll look at tonight is going to be uh, Proverbs 14, 1 through 3. It's what's called an inclusio. If you remember, an inclusio proverb is a proverb that's bracketed. You have two brackets that are very similar uh, about uh, very similar proverbs in, the, in the, everything contained within is focused on this context. What's that context? The wise woman builds a house with her hands, but by folly, the foolish tears her house down. Two street signs. The woman who establishes her house, builds her house, is is making an effort to to, uh, keep her house together. That is the road of life. The woman who is destroying her house, pulling her own house down with her own hands, that's the path of destruction, right? We can, it's pretty simple to see once we just back up and take a look at the signs. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his way despises him. So he's saying, look, if we, if we're walking on the path of life, we're walking the path that God wants us to walk, that is what the fear of the Lord is all about following the Lord in obedience. But he who is devious, he's on the wicked path. What does he do? He despises him. He despises his way. We're going to come to this this scripture that 
probably for me is like the 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 scripture that the the main focus in Proverbs, and that is there's a way that seems right to a man. But if he's not led by the Spirit following the Word of God, it's probably the path of destruction, right? That's what Proverbs says. The way is death. He's on the wrong road. He's on the wrong path. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back. So the mouth of a, few, of a fool brings what? Stripes. It brings, it brings problems. What, what, what would that be considered? Destruction. But the lips of the wise preserve him. In other words, the way we use our mouth. When we study the book of James, what did it say? What's the measure of a man's maturity? His ability to control his tongue. To control his tongue. So we come here, Proverbs is laying out for us the same idea. So we see the same thing in three ways. <clears throat> Building your house, establishing your house, or tearing it down. One's life, one's death. We see walking or following the Lord in uprightness. Or hating God's ways. One's life, one's death. We see the mouth being used to, to constantly bring correction. Or the mouth being used to bring preservation. One's life, one's death. They give us the street sign so that we know how to walk. The second one is a worthwhile investment. It's just verse 4. Verse 4 together says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. So the idea is, hey, you can, <clears throat> we, we want to understand the road of life. Well, the road of life, the path of life is going to understand wise investment. What is that? You, if you have an ox, you're going to have a mess. You got to feed them. You got to clean up after them. But you're also going to have a greater harvest. The investment in the ox is going to mean that you're able to bring more in the absence of the ox means that the feed trough will be full of grain but the strength of the bull but by the strength of the bull there will be an abundant harvest so the idea that he's laying out hey we'll have wisdom wisdom in the investments that we make understanding that sometimes it's not always what's easier that's what's best anybody ever discover that that the easiest road is not always the road that leads to life sometimes the road has a little more work involved the third proverb tonight is a proverb that talks about paying attention to who's who's talking who's talking look at it It says in verse five a faithful witness does not lie who's talking in that case a faithful witness what does that mean somebody who tells the truth somebody who tells tells the truth that's their habit they don't lie. What about a false witness? If a false witness is talking, what should we expect? A lie, right? Pay attention to, to who's talking. Who do you want to be your witness for you in court? The one who will tell the truth or the one who will tell the lie? Well, I guess it depends on which one you want, doesn't it? Yeah, if you're guilty or you're innocent. But this is what he's leading to. A faithful witness won't lie. A false witness breathes out lies. That's all they do. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain. What is a scoffer? A scoffer is one of the three categories leading to fool. If you remember right, first we have the simple. The simple continues on his progression of 
not knowing better until he reaches a point in which he has made his choice not to follow the way of God, and the way of God becomes a point of mockery. That leads ultimately to the place of a fool which has said in his heart, what? There is no God. Okay, so those are the three categories throughout Proverbs. The simple, the scoffer, and the fool. So here it says a scoffer seeks after wisdom in vain. He's not going to find wisdom because wisdom is God incarnate. Wisdom is described four times throughout the book of uh, Proverbs. Each time personified, it becomes a picture of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, 1 through 3. Chapter 2, 1 through 3. Which one is it? 2? 2. That says that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Christ Jesus. He is the source of all wisdom. The Bible says that if any of you lacks wisdom in the book of James, where are you supposed to go to for it? Go to the Lord, right? Ask God who gives to all liberally. He is the source of wisdom. God is the source of wisdom. So if the scoffer mocks God, no matter where he seeks, will he find it? Everywhere he looks, he's looking in the wrong place. He's looking in the wrong places. According to the book of Proverbs, wisdom is the knowledge of of God. Apart from the knowledge of God, I don't have wisdom. I might know how to do a lot of things, but that's not following the biblical description of what wisdom is. But it says knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Who's the man of understanding? The man who has wisdom. If a man has wisdom, who does he have? God. If a man has joy, who does he have? God. Why? Because what's the source of joy? The Bible says in the presence of the Lord is is the fullness of joy. We have joy in that presence. Where do we find wisdom? In the presence of God. We have this understanding. So this man, who has understanding, knowledge is easy for him. It's easy for him because he's connected to the source. If you're disconnected from the source, you can't find it. Right? If I want you to be a magnet, if you're a piece of metal... The easiest way for me to make you a magnet is to attach you to a magnet. The power of the magnet flows through you. If I take a piece of metal and I set it here and I set the magnet there and I say, man, I wish this piece of metal was magnetized, does that work? Or I think I'm going to really seek for this piece of metal to become magnetized as it's not attached. The point of the proverb is we have to be connected to the Lord in order to find that real wisdom. And then verse 7 brings out the thought, leave the presence of a fool. Leave the presence of a fool. You're not going to find wisdom there. Leave the presence. For there you do not meet the words of knowledge. Now the idea when we look at this concept, we look at the concept of scoffer, fool, wise, unwise. Keep in mind that it's more than just the idea of of understanding something. It's not about being able to understand an algebraic equation. It's a statement of morality and heart condition. The morality and heart condition of the wise is good. Because why? He's connected to the Lord. What do we find in the presence of God? Mercy, grace, compassion, forgiveness, salvation. What do we find if we're not there? None of those things. None of those things. So we want to recognize it's more than just a pursuit of knowledge 
or understanding. Fourth proverb tonight is a chiasmus that actually, hopefully, I think we can break down so that we can see and understand it pretty well. Verses 8 through 15 form a chiasmus. A chiasmus is a pattern, if you drew it out on a piece of paper, it would go like A, B, C, D, D, C, B, A. So the point of a chiasmus is the statements are pointing toward the center, uh, which is the point, the moral of the proverb, the focus of the proverb. What's the focus of the proverb in a chiasmus? It's found in the middle. With similar statements on the edge, the next one in, similar statements, similar statements, matching statements in the middle, which is the focus. It's just a method or, or a way in which to write. So here's how that chiasmus works. It would be first the prudent or the thoughtful and the fools. That's your first point. That's your first part of the proverb. Then you would have them making amends for sin. How fools mock the upright. They, the upright make the offering. Fools mark, uh, mock the fact that they make that offering. So you have first the picture, the prudent or thoughtful and the fools. The second one, making amends for sin. The third one, the secrets of the heart which says you can't always understand what's in the heart by looking at the outside of a person. Then the focus in the middle. The focus in the middle is the path of destruction. The wicked who walk the path of destruction, that is the way of death. And then it comes back out. The secrets of the heart, you can't always see what's in the heart. And then being repaid for sin, basically you reap what you sow. And finally, the simple are easily deceived and the prudent are thoughtful. If you map out the these several verses in that way, the proverb will come together. So, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way. But the folly of fools is deceiving. So, wisdom knows the path it walks. Psalm 119 says, The word of God is a light unto my path. Right? It shows my feet where to walk. What's the idea? It helps me, helps me understand the road I'm on. What about the fool? The folly of the fool is deceiving. It lies. It lies. There is a way it seems right. I think I'm doing right. I think this is the path I should walk. But it's not really the path that they should walk. He goes on in verse 9. Fools mock at the guilt offering. Somebody bringing an offering for their sin. Someone confessing their sin. The fools mock it. Oh, that's so stupid. Why do you bother doing that? Why do they mock it? Because they could care less about their sin. Because the fool has said what? There is no God. And if there is no God, what's sin? What is morality? What is your basis for morality with no God? No God, there is no morality. There's no basis for it. There's no reason for you to tell me anything I'm doing is wrong. If there is no God. Well sure there is. Jackie, we, we get together and we'll vote on what's right or wrong. Perfect. Well, by that, by that plan, Hitler was not evil. Hitler's good. What do you mean? Well, the Germans were all for him. So that can't be evil. So now you have no, you have no foundation for morality apart from God. With God, you have a foundation of morality. This is evil. This is good. No God, there's no sin. Make sense? So the fool mocks. Why would you bring a sin offering? So the second part of the chiasmus. First it begins 
with the comparison between the wisdom and the fool, then it begins with the issue of sin. The second part is the issue of sin. He mocks at the issue of sin. Then it goes on in verse 10. It tells us about the condition of the heart cannot be seen by you and I. Look how it says it. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. Can you tell what's going on in the heart of a person by looking at them? Maybe. Maybe not. The best way to know what's going on in the heart of a person is for the person to tell you what's going on in the heart of a person. And they don't usually do that to a stranger. So the stranger doesn't get to see what's really happening on the inside. We can't see the secrets of man's heart. You and I, were not able to see it. Then verse 11, he goes on to talk about the destruction of the wicked. The house of the wicked will be destroyed. The house of the wicked... The path of the wicked. If, I'm, if my house is built on the road of destruction, by definition, what will happen to my house? It'll be destroyed. What, how did Jesus say it? If you build your house on the... Then when the storm comes and the wind blows, what will happen? It'll collapse. It'll fall down and great will be its fall. If you build your house on the rock, then your house will stand. Does the storm come to both houses? Yeah, does the rain fall on the evil and the good? That's right. So what do we say? We say, what, where, what road is it on? The, the house of the wicked will be destroyed. The end result, if your house is built on the sand, it cannot stand. But the tent of the upright, notice he uses tent. Tent is a temporary dwelling. Tent is not permanent. For the wicked, he used house. House is built solid. It's built to stand. It's built not to fall. A tent, that could fall down anytime you want, especially if you go out hunting with one of us knuckleheads and we think it'd be funny to watch your tent come down. Tents come down, right? But his point is, this temporary dwelling of the righteous, it's going to make it. It'll be enough to get you through because you're on the path of life. You're on the road that leads to life. So the idea, the destruction of the wicked is the point. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. Apart from having a relationship with God, we are relying on our own reasoning. We are disconnected from the source of power. We're disconnected from the source of wisdom. We're disconnected from our Savior. So then, the things I think, the way I think it ought to work out, will make good sense to me. But is it enough? If my road, if the road I'm walking, the choices I'm making make good sense to me, is that good enough? Is that a guarantee of success? Is that a guarantee that the road I've chosen will be the road of life that leads to life? What the scripture says is there's a way that seems right to a man, and he's pretty sure he's made all the right decisions and he's going in the right direction. But he's on the path of destruction. Those two verses form the center of the chiasmus. The center point, the center focus is when you consider the way of the wise and the fool, understand that the fool thinks he knows where he's going. And he thinks he's making good decisions. And he thinks the path is proper and right. If we stand up and we have a debate between an atheist and a Christian... The atheist is going to be fully convinced of his points, isn't he? 
He's going to believe what he's saying. But believing what you're saying, that's, that's not enough. According to Proverbs, if you're on the wrong road, no matter what you do, if you don't get off that road, that road leads one place. Destruction. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. <clears throat> then he's going to back out of the chiasmus in the same angle. I want you to think, a chiasmus forms an arrowhead. You guys with me? And the point of the arrowhead is the focal. And then so you have a line moving toward the center and a line from the center moving out. It creates an arrowhead moving away from the point of the, the way of destruction leading to death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. He comes back out talking about the heart. Can we know the heart? No. We only know what someone will let us know about the heart. The thing is, the Word of God declares that God knows the heart. It says, no one can know your heart, but God does. The Spirit of God knows the heart of man. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, right? Can somebody laugh and still have a broken heart? For sure they can. And the end of joy may be grief. Sometimes emotions can turn just like that. Verse 14, we're going to talk about sin. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. In regard to sin, earlier we saw that the fool mocks the man who confesses his sin. Here it says, whatever a man sows, what? That's what he's going to reap. The wicked man will reap the fruit of his wickedness. The righteous man will reap the fruit of his righteousness. And then verse 15, back to a comparison between the simple and the wise. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. So we see in the chiasmus, the point, the, the focal is the destruction on the path of the wicked. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. We want to be thoughtful about where we are. What are we walking on? What are we seeing? What are we thinking? For the simple is easily deceived, but the prudent, he's not. Why? Because he's connected to the source of wisdom. Not because he's better. He's connected to the source. You and I can acknowledge, I, I can't fool God. But if I'm connected to God, if the, if the branch is connected to the vine, right? Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If we're connected to Him, if we abide in Him, He abides in us, then we are, we are abiding with the source of wisdom, the light of the world, the one who created the path of life. That's the one we want to follow, isn't it? That's what Proverbs are about. Putting together an understanding of, who am I following right now? Are my decisions based on me, my desire, because there is a way that seems right to a man. If I'm not following Christ, if I'm not following the Lord, then I can't guarantee the path I'm walking. So I look at the Proverbs, and the Proverbs <clears throat> echo to me these ideas. Next he talks about a patient spirit. Verse 16. One who is wise is cautious. And turns away from evil. So again, we have the idea. Street sign. Road of life. A wise man is cautious. He's not rushing headlong into destruction. But a fool is reckless. Careless. 
So, wise man thinks about, is cautious about where he's going. A fool is reckless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. And a man of evil devices is hated. So the idea, we have these three, these three concepts from the fool. He's reckless. He has quick temper. And he's a man of evil devices. People don't like him. People don't like him. So what do we got? We got recklessness, quick temper, and people don't like him. The flip side of that would be the focal point for the road of life. What's the flip side? Caution. Slow to anger. Does that sound familiar? Slow. Seems like there's a Bible verse about that, isn't there? Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then he tells us why. Because the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. So we don't want to have a quick temper. We want to slow. And that path, that road, that walk is the walk of love. That's the attitude that we want to see flowing through you and I. Next we have uh, the next, the sixth one. It was a, is a proverb about wisdom. The crown of wisdom and the wreath of folly. In, uh, in verse 18, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. So you have this theme. The theme, the crown of, uh, of wisdom, the wreath of folly. If you look at verse 24, you have the same thing. The crown of the wise is their wealth, but the folly of fools brings folly. So in these verses, from 18 to 24, you have formed in these Proverbs an inclusio, which means two brackets. Two brackets which, which give to you the theme of the Proverbs within the brackets. So the Proverbs within the brackets, they have this theme. The theme being a crown of wisdom and the wreath of folly. How do we see? How do we recognize these things? How do we see the crown of wisdom? How do we understand the wreath of folly? In verse 19, he builds on the idea. He says, the evil bow down before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Now I want you to think of Joseph. Remember Joseph? Joseph, he told his brothers his dream, right? You guys tracking with me? His brothers hated him. They hated him, sold him into slavery. What happened in the end of the story? In the end of the story, Joseph is the second most powerful man in Egypt. There's a famine in all the land. Everybody around the world, in the Middle Eastern world at that time, has to come to Egypt for food. And his own brothers do what? Bow down before him. Yeah, all the way through. So we have this concept. Here's what's going on. Which one? There was a way that seemed right to Joseph's brothers. Wasn't there? Yeah, where'd that path go? Was it where they wanted to go? Ultimately, what Joseph is going to say to his brothers is what you intended for evil, God intended for good. God is going to bring good through it. So we want to understand the crown of wisdom. What marks the crown of wisdom The crown of wisdom is going to put the wise in a place of authority and the wicked in a place where they bow down. The wicked will be humbled. The wise will be exalted. Joseph is going to spend 13 years between 
prison, slavery, but ultimately what's going to happen? He's going to be exalted. His brothers, who are pretty sure they're in charge of the world at the time, are going to be what? Humbled. Right? How do we see it? We see Joseph exalted in position and the wicked humbled. The road of destruction, where does it lead? To humbling. What's the humbling? Ultimately, separation from God. The path of life, where does it lead? Exaltation. What kind of exaltation? Jesus said, we're going to sit on crowns like Him. Or we're going to sit on thrones like Him. We'll have crowns as He does. So, He goes on again, giving us the idea. Inside the brackets, the crown of wisdom, wreath of folly. Here's what He says next. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor. Now, I don't want you to lose sight of this because he has just defined for us the concept of neighbor. Who is the neighbor right now in this verse? The neighbor is rich or poor? He said the poor is disliked by his neighbor. So one neighbor is rich, one neighbor is poor. The neighbor is disliked. Why is he disliked? Because he's poor. Right? I don't like him. He's poor. He's got a little house. It's not as clean as mine. The value of my house is going down. The neighbor does despises his poor neighbor. And then the proverb goes on to say, but the rich has many friends. The poor, not so many, but the rich has lots of friends. Now listen to what he, how he defines that view further in verse 21. Whoever hates his neighbor is a sinner. So is it right or wrong for me to despise my poor neighbor? The next verse said, whoever hates his neighbor, that's a sinner. Jesus said that we are supposed to love our neighbor. You know that the Bible said that in Deuteronomy, right? Leviticus says, love your neighbor. The Deuteronomy says, love God. Uh, Leviticus says, love your neighbor. Jesus repeated both of those commandments, right? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he was asked this question, well, who's my neighbor? Well, in today's context, Jesus would say ISIS. Huh? No, that can't be. Well, you figure out what the context was when Jesus said in the story, the good guy was the Samaritan. Who was the Samaritan to the Jew? Loved or hated? Hated. What about the Samaritan to the Jew? Don't think that the Samaritan loved the Jew. The Samaritan didn't love him any more than the other loved, loved the other. The point of the story is the, the most despicable character you could imagine is a good neighbor. What was the point? The point is that whoever... Everyone, all around us, that is our neighbor. What is he saying? Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner. And blessed is he who is generous to the poor. He doesn't define it any other way. Are you paying attention to that? Just generous to the poor. Jesus said, are we ever going to cure poverty? Is there a cure for, for poverty? No. Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. That means poverty is always going to be there. So then what should be the response of the rich? What should be the response toward the, the impoverished? Be generous. 
We spend a lot of time just figuring out that the, the poor are poor because they're stupid and they deserve to be poor. And if they're hungry, let them be hungry. But Jesus, when he was describing the character of those in his kingdom, of those who would be entering into his reign, he said, when I was hungry, you did what? You fed me. When I was naked, you did what? You clothed me. When I was in jail, you did what? You visited me. And each side asked him, when did we do this for you? What did he say next? When you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. What is the attitude from Proverbs? Being generous. Was it ever, is there ever a time in the Bible where Jesus comes down and says to a rich man, you sinner, you're giving people too much generosity? Was there ever a time he did the opposite? Condemned the man for his selfishness? We, we probably need to pay attention to the road signs. Blessed is he who is generous to the poor. For they do not go, uh, or sorry, do they not go astray who devise evil? If you're walking on the road of destruction, that's where it goes. Those who devise good, where, what do they meet? They meet steadfast love and faithfulness. One Hebrew word, chesed. Chesed, it's the closest thing to agape that we got. What's the point? The people who walk in wickedness, they're going to come to the end of the road of destruction. The people who walk in righteousness, they're going to come to the end, love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, God is love. That's his character. Not the only part of his character, but it is his character. So walking the road of life, we're going to meet him. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. If all we do is talk about it, what have you done? Jesus said this, if somebody comes to you and he's hungry and destitute, and you say to him, be warmed and filled, did it fill his belly or make him warm? Do your words do it? No, what does it? Our actions, right? Are you tracking with me? And that's what he's saying in this Proverbs. Hey, if, if, all you, if all you have is words, that's great. But unless you actually go out and work the field, there's no harvest. You know, I'm really going to work hard today. And I stay home and binge watch Stranger Things on Netflix. And then uh, what I get done? Nothing. Right? Words don't accomplish the deed. In the inclusio, remember, we're talking about the crown of wisdom. What does the wise man look like? The crown of the, or the wreath of the fool. What, what does the fool look like? What's he wearing on his head? What's the wise man wearing on his head? That's the importance, and here's how he's telling us. The wise man loves his neighbor, even if he's poor. Even if it, he just, it just, his place is not what it ought to be. Even if it's costing you money. And he, and he says there's a blessing for those who are generous to the poor. Who give of their excess. 
long time ago, I learned that in the United States of America, do you know that you can feed a lot of people with what we throw away? I've, I've shared with you guys before, there was an organization, I don't know if it's still in, uh, or still run or not, but it was called Friendships. It was in, in out of L.A., it moved to Texas. Uh, I don't know if it's still going or not, but they got a bunch of ships that everybody was throwing away. Um, freighters, things that, and, and so they would take all the food that the supermarkets were throwing away that didn't get sold, and we'd go through, kids would come, youth groups would come, and they'd glean out what was good. And the food that was good, they would feed the homeless with in L.A. Didn't cost a penny. All volunteer. Fed a bunch of hungry bellies just with what was getting thrown away. Well, it cost you something. Cost time. Maybe it cost something for the supermarkets to be willing to to give that food away rather than just throw it in the dumpster but it fed people that's generosity that's generosity the man who started owned a polo club in beverly hills got sold it all to buy his first ship and he and that was the biggest pile of junk anybody ever bought in their life in fact it wouldn't float it was in the puget sound and it was stuck in the mud. So that's why it didn't sink. He said he was so sure that God called him to do this deal for this ship that he was going to stay on that ship even if it was going underwater because he believed God was going to raise it. That's how sure he was God was going to do it. And God used him to start feeding the homeless and then to go around the world. Those ships were going around the world taking medical supplies that hospitals were getting rid of because they, did, they, they upgraded. So they have old x-ray machines they don't use anymore. We just throw all that junk away or we can take it somewhere where somebody else can use it. That's a generous heart. Amen. Wanting to bless the poor. That was the heart. That's the crown of wisdom. He goes on in, uh, in verse 25. Again, we have a single proverb about an honest witness. Look at it. A truthful witness saves lives. Okay, so if you're innocent, who do you want? Somebody who's going to tell the truth, right? You want a truthful witness. So a truthful witness saves lives. What's a liar do? One who breathes out lives, he brings death. Which roads on each one? The way of life brings life. The way of death brings death. One is deceitful. One is truthful. Next, in verse 26, we have a, a 26 and 27 Proverbs about the fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. Strong confidence. I know. I've made my choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said, right? It's a person standing on the path of life. Clearly looking at the road signs and saying, man, I'm in. This is the path I'm taking. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the starting point, right, of wisdom. Our walk with Christ, our walk in wisdom. And what about his children? Well, his children will find refuge. They will experience that refuge as they walk down that path of life. Look at verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. What road is that? If I, the fear of the Lord, I'm walking on the road called the fear of the Lord. Where does it lead? It's a fountain of life. So where does it go? 
life, right? It's going to life. And so it's moving that one may turn away from the snares of death. So it's in opposition. I know that road over there. If this road is life, then that road over there is not life. I don't want to be on that road. I want to walk this path. I want to walk the way of life. Then we have this final section <clears throat> that we'll look at tonight. is another inclusio. That's the Proverbs with brackets that helps us understand the context in between. And this is about national security. There's a lot of questions about a nation's security. Well, look what it says in the beginning. In a multitude of people is the glory of a king, but without people, a prince is ruined. So, what's the idea? A king exists for the people, or the people for the king? Well, the scripture says, if there's no people, there's no king. So you have to have the people. We have that part of the bracket in 28, and in 35, it says, a a servant who deals wisely has a king's favor, but his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. It's describing the, the attitude of the king toward his people, the attitude of the people or servants toward the king. Those are the two brackets. In between, we have these proverbs. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. What path is that? Slow to anger. What path? Path of life, right? That's the road of life. Because quick-tempered was the road to death, right? Jesus said we should be slow to anger for the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. So, we want to be slow to anger. Now, the context in the brackets is leadership. So a leader, in fact, in uh, First and Second Timothy and Titus, the pastoral epistles, it says that an elder should not be a quick-tempered man. An elder should be slow to anger. What's the context of these Proverbs? Kings, right? The relationship between a king to his people and the people to the king. So we want to understand, slow to anger is uh, someone who has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. One is compared to the fool, one is compared to the wise. One is life, the other is death. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. That means someone who's walking in peace. So the way of life is the way of peace. But envy rots out your bones. Envy. Envy is, is uh, the, the wrongful emotional reaction to something you covet something you desire so the the envy envy is the opposite of being peaceful peaceful means contentment are you guys tracking so to be peaceful means i got contentment and the opposite of peace is discontent i'm unhappy and i want what somebody else has so for a leader the attitude should be an attitude of peace a good king is a king who wants peace. Good king is a king who wants peace. A good king is a king who is slow to anger, not quick-tempered. A bad king is someone who's discontent. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. Again, we're talking about leadership. The brackets are the king to his people, the people to his king. So when we look at it, a... um, Someone oppressing the poor, the king oppressing the poor, using the poor, he insults his maker. That's an insult to God, to oppress the poor. 
<clears throat> but <clears throat> he who is generous to the needy honors him. So a, a good leader, a godly leader, a righteous leader, a leader on the, on the path of life, what? He's generous to the poor. Bad leader, he oppresses the poor. Hey, we've experienced this, haven't we? We look back in history with kings. We, we see how the kings behave. We can see these things uh, being played out. The wicked is overthrown through his evil doing, but the righteous finds refuge in his death. What does that mean? Well, the idea of it is this. The wicked, the wicked are going to die and face judgment. But the concept of dying and facing judgment does not bring fear to the righteous. If you're on the path of life, if you're, you're, you have a relationship with God, you don't fear judgment. Jesus Christ bore that judgment. That judgment is finished. That way is completed. So, a good king is going to be a king who walks in righteousness, doesn't fear death, not afraid of dying. He'll do the right thing regardless of the price. It says, wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding. And it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. If you've got a wise king and he's got a bunch of fools around him, guess what? He still has wisdom. Wisdom doesn't, isn't dictated by the people around him. A wise king who's connected to the source of wisdom through Jesus Christ, even though all the people around him are fools, he still has wisdom. He's, still, he's, got, he's connected to the source of wisdom. God is <clears throat> that source. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin does what? Is a reproach to the people. If a nation will walk the path of life, what can it expect? Life. If a nation walks the path of destruction, what should it expect? Destruction. These are the keys of leadership laid out for us here in the book of Proverbs. So we want to see as we work our way through, hopefully we, we start to be able to see how these Proverbs fit together in giving us street signs, the road signs. What path am I on? How do I choose a righteous king? How do I understand the, peop the choices people are making around me? How can I see and recognize the road that we're on by paying attention to the street signs that are laid out for us in 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Amen? Why don't you stand with me let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come together to study, to open your word. God, I pray that you would uh, just help us to comprehend and understand, Lord, what your word is declaring. God, I pray that we would say that the word of God is the authority in my life. It's the light that shows me where to walk, how to walk, what my attitude should be. And if I find that my attitude is in opposition to the Word of God, it is my attitude that should change, not try to change the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you would help us daily to walk the path of life, that we may bring glory and honor to your name, that we may be a people filled with the love of Christ. We give you praise for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.